baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. yes. Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. I'm Grant McCauley and this is kind of our year-end retrospective look at the Braves. It was the best of times and it was also the worst of times for the Braves in the National League Division Series and their loss to the Cardinals in five games. We saw some great finishes, some October dramatics, some big pitching performances, some big hits, a lot of stuff to be excited about. And then we saw some games that just slipped through the Braves' fingers and then Game 5 came around and it felt like it was over before the Braves even had a chance to swing the bat. Because, to be honest, it pretty much was. As the Cardinals scored 10 times in the first inning on their way to a 13-1 win. And that, I think, left a sour taste in the mouth of everybody associated with the Atlanta Braves as the Cardinals advance to the National League Championship Series, where they'll be meeting the Washington Nationals. And the Braves, well, they get to ponder what 2020 has in store. And we'll do a little bit of that on this episode of From the Diamond. I've got Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution set to join me again. When last we spoke, we were previewing the National League Division Series, trying to figure out what the roster might look like, how the Braves and Cardinals matched up. And, well, I thought it would be good to have Gabe on as we go through what happened in that series and what's ahead for the Braves as we head into the winter and, of course, the hot stove season once the postseason is in the books for Major League Baseball. Before we get to all of that, I want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Appreciate all your ratings and reviews there, and be sure to follow along on social media. On Twitter, you can find the show at FromTheDiamond underscore. I am at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. And you can find the show on Instagram at FromTheDiamond with no underscore at the end. And I am at Grant McCauley there as well. And everything, including every episode of the podcast, is available for you at FromTheDiamond.com. So by this time, you pretty much know the fate of the Braves. You've probably had a chance to go through at least one, if not two, of the stages of grief as the 2019 season ended on a note that the Braves certainly weren't anticipating and were certainly hoping to avoid as they looked to win their first playoff series since 2001. That was not to be, though. Braves were four outs away in Game 4, saw that one slip through their fingers. When it came home for Game 5, it felt like this is what October is all about, a chance to win the series and celebrate on your home field. It's been a long time since the Braves had done that in October, and it was not to be. It's that 13-1 shellacking in Game 5 that ended the Braves' season and dashed the hopes of not only the 25 men on that roster, but the tens of thousands of fans who filed into SunTrust Park on that day, and of course Braves fans across the country, even around the world, who were disappointed to see the Braves' season come to a close. I'm going to spare you going back through every painful detail of that game, but suffice it to say, when you're down 10-0 before you've even come up to bat, it's going to be pretty tough to climb back in that game, and it was a historic first inning for the Cardinals. Ten runs tied a postseason record for most runs in any inning, and that hadn't happened in 90 years, and ten runs in the first inning, easily a record in postseason play in Major League Baseball history, and that offensive explosion sent the Cardinals to the NLCS. 
it really didn't take very long to set in just how bad this loss was, but something I asked you guys on Twitter was exactly how disappointed are you in this Braves loss, and where does this rank among some of the disappointments in Braves lore when we start talking about postseason opportunities that the Braves were unable to cash in on? So I ran this poll on October the 9th, and the choices were Game 5 of the 2019 NLDS, the loss to the Cardinals, Jim Lairitz's home run off Mark Wohlers in the 1996 World Series, the Levon Hernandez game in 1997, that was the NLCS against the Marlins, and it was pointed out to me by a lot of people that perhaps it wasn't really the Levon Hernandez game as much as it was the Eric Gregg game as he was the home plate umpire on that day with the worst strike zone, I think, in the history of Major League Baseball. Either way, Hernandez start in the 1997 NLCS, and of course, 2005, 18 innings, a loss to the Astros in walk-off fashion in the National League Division Series then. It's not altogether surprising that given the recency of it, 58% of you voted for Game 5 of the NLDS this year, just over 5,000 votes in this poll as well. 26% of you voted for Jim Leritz, and I would say that that's the correct answer. I don't think there's been really one worse Atlanta sports moment or Atlanta Braves moment that I can think of in postseason history anyway than Leritz's home run off Wohlers. It really seemed to swing that World Series, and it swung the momentum of the Braves being considered the team of the 90s to the New York Yankees being considered the team of the 90s, and it took away the chance for the Braves to win back-to-back World Series titles. I've talked to a lot of guys who played for the Braves in the 1990s, and in particular, guys who were on the 91 team, the 92 team, the 95 team that won it, and that 96 team that lost the World Series, And without a doubt, to a man, each one of them involved in any one of those numbers of World Series said that the most disappointing one to lose was the 1996 series. 1999, I don't think even gets a vote. The Braves were swept by the Yankees in that one. But it was just a debilitating loss for the Braves in 96. And as far as Braves fans are concerned, there are a lot of folks that haven't gotten over the Jim Leyritz home run. That was number one on my list. So... Let me give some dishonorable mentions now. The infield fly rule game in 2012, the wild card. Of course, Sam Holbrook's infamous call of that pop fly into the outfield and left. That didn't change the trajectory of the entire game, but it took away any opportunity the Braves had to get back into that one. It wasn't the reason they lost, but man, it added insult to injury. And that, of course, was the final game of Chipper Jones's career as well. So that one stung a little bit extra. Uh, Twitter only allows you to have four options in a poll. So I had to take Kirby Puckett's walk-off homer in Game 6 of the 1991 World Series off the list. That's pretty high up there for me. It's certainly in my top five. And really, the 1991 World Series and the responses to this poll, it had quite a few moments that Braves fans are not over. Kent Herbeck picking Ron Gant up off the bag. Game 7 as the Twins walked off with the World Series win in 10 innings. And Lonnie Smith in that game being decoyed around the second-base bag, not scoring the run and the Braves losing one to nothing to Jack Morris and the Twins in extras. Brooks Conrad's forgettable Game 3 of the 2010 Division Series, and also an off-the-board for Ed Sprague in the 1992 World Series, a go-ahead home run in Game 2 off Jeff Reardon. That one got a vote as well, and that one hurt as well as the Braves were beaten by the Toronto Blue Jays in that particular World Series. So that's a walk down memory lane that you probably didn't want and I don't recommend taking on a regular basis. But as we looked at game five of this National League Division Series and try to put it into some kind of perspective or into context with some of the other disappointments the Braves have gone through over the years, I think there's a lot of moments that I would look to that would be maybe more heartbreaking. 
This one, it was kind of over before it even began. It was embarrassing, I would imagine, is the best way to put it. But as far as having your heart broken, I think there are other moments and memories from October's past that rank a little bit higher than this particular loss to the Cardinals. And I would kind of look at games one and four and say that those losses stung worse than getting blown out in the final game of the series. Because if you won game one or you won game four, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. So just some things to reflect on and some things to probably maybe put in the back of your mind and forget about for a while as you try to get over this loss and then turn your attention to what you hope will be the year where everything changes for the Braves. And that, of course, is 2020, where the Braves will try to focus all of their energies and efforts this winter to get ready to come out and defend their National League East crown. On Thursday, the Braves had their end-of-season media availability. They had a press conference with manager Brian Snitker and general manager Alex Anthopoulos. And there's a lot to dissect when it comes to the decisions that will have to be made for the Braves, with several key members of this year's club set to hit free agency, none bigger than third baseman Josh Donaldson. But he's not alone. Some big decisions will have to be made on some team options for Julio Tehran and Nick Markakis, Tyler Flowers as well. Chris Martin set to be a free agent, as is Matt Joyce, Francisco Cervelli, Adani Echeverria. There's a team option for Billy Hamilton, but he could be gone as well. And, of course, Brian McCann announced his retirement after Game 5 of the NLDS. So those just a few of the names that may not be back with the Braves in 2020, and one that's confirmed will definitely not be back as McCann's 15-year career came to a close this week. Let's hear from Braves manager Brian Snitker, who presided over this series in which the Braves came in with home field advantage, having won 97 games on the season and came within four outs of advancing before losing to the Cardinals in game four and getting blown out in game five. Brian Snitker discussed how tough it will be to watch the NLCS, knowing how close the Braves came to getting there. I don't feel good right now. It's not going to be fun watching that series. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if I will. Quite honestly, I don't, I gotta say, I got a pretty big pit in my stomach right now because we're a really good team. You know, we won 99 games this year, and that's pretty hard to do. We did win the division, which is something that's not easy to do. You know, we weren't just glad to be here this year. There wasn't a guy in that room just glad to be here. Everybody in that room expected to win that first series and for us to be sitting here right now talking about playing a game tomorrow. And it's not going to happen, and there isn't anybody that feels good about it. The Braves have dealt with a lot of October disappointment, as I was talking about a little bit earlier. But the 2019 team seemed to be one that really isn't affected by that, nor is it affected by the goings-on for previous Braves clubs. Really, anything beyond 2018 would be a stretch or anything else happening in the Atlanta sports landscape. Some of the guys were even asked by reporters after losing Game 5 if it was part of some larger thing. And I think that holds a lot more weight for the fans and perhaps giving the media something to talk about. But really, for the players, the guys that are out there every single day, that's the furthest thing from their mind. And I just don't really think that's something that they're going to discuss in great length because nobody puts a lot of stock in it. But it doesn't take away from the sting and the disappointment of coming up short this year. Meanwhile, General Manager Alex Anthopoulos was also on hand, and he took a moment to reflect on 2019 and what went wrong in the NLDS and their five-game loss to the Cardinals. Tough pill to swallow, no doubt about it. We didn't want to be here at this time so early. That being said, at some point we'll probably appreciate winning the division two years in a row and and the good that occurred this past year, but today it's tough. Especially from my standpoint as a front office, we need to turn the page quick and get to work and get back here next year back to hopefully win in the division and get deeper into the playoffs. That's the goal for everybody that puts on a Braves uniform and everybody in that front office as they try to put together a club that can do what this year's did, win the division or get themselves into October and have a chance to make a longer run of things 
And in 2020, the Braves will once again set their sights on that. As I mentioned earlier, several key members of the Braves are set to either be free agents or have a team option where a decision is going to have to be made. And Alex Antopoulos is a man who will be making those decisions and trying to construct a 25-man roster that can get the Braves back to the postseason. Of course, the playoffs continue and free agency is still a couple of weeks away, but Anthopoulos discussed what his mindset is heading into a big winter for the Atlanta Braves. You know, every offseason presents its own opportunities. Free agent market is unique in its own way. There's only a certain pool of players that are available. So I think just we met earlier this morning with the staff and we'll continue as a front office to get together. But as you guys have heard me say before, we can't force things. We can't, if the players aren't there in free agency, but we try to force a certain move that's not probably going to turn out for us long term we still haven't vetted the trade market yet there'll be things that evolve we obviously want to get better need to get better we have free agents and we have a lot of work to do but i'd say that each offseason so it is very specific to the pool of players that are available in that free agent period in that trade market you know it's just so early for me to give you any insight into that because we really haven't gotten going yet one of the biggest decisions anthopolis and company will have to make is trying to bring back third baseman josh donaldson I don't think it's a secret that both sides are interested in a reunion or continuing this partnership that worked out so well in 2019 as Donaldson powered the middle of the Braves lineup, gave Freddie Freeman some regular protection that we have not seen in quite some time, and just made the Braves lineup one of the most dynamic in the National League all season long. That being said, Donaldson signed a one-year deal with the Braves in large part to have a chance to catapult himself to a multi-year deal this winter. I'm sure his outlook hasn't changed on that after hitting 37 home runs for the Braves and playing gold glove caliber third base. And those are big reasons Anthopoulos and the Braves would love to have Donaldson back in the fold as they head into 2020 and perhaps beyond. Great offensive player, on-base skills, great defender, intense competitor, toughness. Fits us in every way that we want to. That being said, when we entered into this agreement with him, the understanding and the hope was that he would be in a position to rebuild his value. And I believe that we positioned ourselves that if all things are equal from a contractual standpoint, I haven't had this discussion with him or his agent, but I believe that, that I think this would be where he wants to be. I know he enjoyed it here. We just, it's free agency. It's not salary arbitration. So there's no way to tell. Your value is what that free agent market will give, what the needs are, the supply, demand, which teams. We will definitely talk. We will definitely have interest in trying to sign him back. We will engage. To handicap our chances is just too hard to tell. But the only thing I would say is when both sides have interest, that's a great starting point. What happens with Josh Donaldson or what doesn't happen with Josh Donaldson is going to have trickle-down effects both on the Braves lineup and, of course, how the Braves line up on the field as well. One of the guys who might be affected by that move and perhaps the guy who would be affected the most is Austin Riley. He exploded onto the scene, was the NL's Rookie of the Month in May hitting homers left and right before he ran into a slump thanks to the league's adjustment to his hot hitting in the early days and then a knee injury really derailed the final couple of months of his season. But long story short, Austin Riley's a guy that the Braves could look to build around, but as to where he fits in the plans after an up-and-down rookie campaign, Alex Antopoulos weighed in on that as well. Right now it was an inconsistent season. He came up, was unbelievable, and then they found some holes and he needed to make adjustments and changes. So that's something we'll discuss. I don't, as we sit here today... Do I see us cementing him and giving him a position going into next year where it's just the job is his, whether it's outfield or third base? Unlikely at this point. Um, that being said, do we believe in him long term? Absolutely. But he's a young player. He's got options. He knows this. The likelihood is that he comes in and competes at some position in some role unless a trade does present itself or we sign a free agent. But it doesn't change what our thought is on him long term. 
Uh, we think he's going to be an exciting, dynamic player for us. We just, I don't know that it's fair for anybody to say that 2020 or 21 is going to be either hands up putting it all together and he doesn't go back down. Austin Riley, one of a handful of young Braves players, will head into spring training next year with something to prove and perhaps a job to win. Some top prospects will join him. And, of course, there'll be plenty of moves to be made throughout the winter as the Braves look to put together this 25-man roster and whittle it down to what we see on opening day against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Of course, there's a lot of time between now and then, and unfortunately for the Braves, their October came to a close this week. And we're going to size all of that up now as well as starting to take a look ahead at what this winter may hold. And to help me do that, I want to welcome in Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can follow Gabe on Twitter at GabeBurnsAJC. That's G-A-B-E. B-U-R-N-S-A-J-C. Gabe, I appreciate you making some time. I know neither one of us were ready to get our offseason started quite when we did, but here it is. The Braves season is done. Postseason continues, but it kind of feels like we're missing out on some of the best baseball of the year, doesn't it? Yeah, I think all of us were expecting them to play on. I think this was really the team that kind of felt even – Really, since June, since they, you know, really started hitting their stride, we thought, you know, this this is the year that, you know, maybe they don't beat the Dodgers, but they end up, you know, going to the LCS, and that's a step forward. And instead, it's, you know, it's it's another year that it has been since 2001. I mean, another year that they uh, don't advance. Yeah, unfortunately, it is. But it's interesting you, you bring that up because I think we spent a lot of the summer talking about, well, are the Braves equipped to beat the Dodgers? We know what happened last October, and as it turned out. The Dodgers went home as well in the first round as the Washington Nationals rallied to beat them in very dramatic fashion in their Game 5. So I would say that the playoffs have given us a lot of big October moments. Unfortunately, the Braves were just on the wrong side of a couple of them. But interesting to see that the teams with the two best records in the National League are the ones that are going to be sitting at home watching as the Cardinals and the Nationals battle it out for a trip to the World Series. And that makes it even worse for Braves fans because, I mean, yeah, not only are you watching Washington advance when you don't and, you know, all of the jokes about Washington not winning a postseason series. Have there been jokes about they that? They go away. <laughs> they go away. You know, obviously you don't want to see your rival, you know, advance, duh. But the fact that the Dodgers, you know, the team that – the Braves just haven't been able to win out there, and I, I think that anyone would have told, anyone would have probably picked the Dodgers over the Braves. And I'm, to see them go down, and then to see a team that you've been beating up on mm-hmm. for an entire season advance, and you would have had home field, you know, it's just it makes it that much worse for Braves fans who are already on edge after all these postseason failures. But this one especially, probably hard to swallow. I know they're they're just as Maybe even more so disappointed in Los Angeles after what happened out what happened there. But I mean, just really brutal finish for uh, two teams that we really thought were kind of on a collision course there to meet in the LCS. Yeah, it really felt like that. And I don't know what stage of grief a lot of Braves fans are as they listen to this, but you know, suffice it to say that the postseason did not go the way the Braves wanted it to. It's something we can discuss and dissect as we move forward. And something that will probably come up you know, next year or next October if we're fortunate enough to see the Braves get back there. But let me ask you, Gabe, from spending an entire year around this club and, and really for being around it for a while, now that we've had a couple of days to reflect, what will you remember about the 2019 Braves? What stands out to you from your year of covering this team? I would argue this is still the best club, at least most talented, well-rounded club they've had this millennium. Unfortunately, right now, because it is fresh, you're going to remember this as a failure just from just based on them not winning a postseason series and right. how long it had been and, you know, the tying the record and all that stuff. But 
looking at it, you know, you're going to remember Josh Donaldson. You're going to remember this as Acuna's first full year. I mean, I, I know it's his second year, but he he didn't come up until late April last year. So this is his first full year. He makes the 40-40 push. I think that's something that you're always going to remember. No you know, prob- I know it ended it ended terribly, but you could argue this was Freddie Freeman's best season. Um, so there, you know, obviously it's just the playoffs just puts they just overshadow. It's amazing those five games overshadow 162. And but Freddie did have arguably his best regular season. Uh, Mike Soroka, his first full year. I mean, there's and even Max Freed making strides. So there's just. There is a lot to take away from it and feel good about if you're a Braves fan. There's a lot to look at it and say, you know, this was for six, for seven months, you were really entertained by this team. You thoroughly enjoyed it, and there was a feeling of hope that this fan base really hadn't felt in quite a while. I would say even more so than the 2013 team. Like, this was pretty high up there as far as talent and just chemistry. And the fans, I mean, the SunTrust Park was packed every night, oh, yeah. it felt like. So there was real enthusiasm for this team. So, again, I've been the one saying all year, if they don't win a postseason series, the thing is a bust. And I, I do feel that way just because they should have won a postseason series. They they sure, certainly should have won that one. Um, because I don't think anyone would argue with you in saying – on paper, they were far more talented than the Cardinals. I think, you know, most Cardinals, most sane Cardinals fans would probably admit that to you. But over the course of the entire season, it should be remembered, other than being remembered as a disappointment in the end, it should be remembered as the most fun season that Braves fans have had in a long time. And if you're younger, then certainly, I mean, if you're in your 20s, this is certainly probably the best and most fun you've had watching this team throughout your life, really. Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of good points there. It was a very fun team, and there were some very big seasons for some individual players, and all of that seemed to really just come together in such a successful season for the team overall. You win 97 games, you win the division in a season in which a lot of people thought you'd be maybe third at best, possibly in the wild card mix, but nobody was really picking them there, and the Braves, I think, exceeded a lot of expectations outside of the organization and we heard Brian Snitker talk about this a little bit in his end-of-season press conference on Thursday. There wasn't anybody in that locker room that was just happy to be there this year. Everybody felt like it was unfinished business. or They were on a mission. They wanted to get some things done. Nowhere did that really stand out to me more so than hearing Freddie Freeman after Game 5 because he had a really forgettable division series. Other than Game 1, Freddie's bat was completely absent couple of times where with the glove he wasn't able to make a play, though he made a couple plays with the glove that helped him as well. But he just didn't seem like Freddie Freeman. And then there was an amount of scrutiny that he and other Braves teammates were getting after the game one. And Ronald Acuna Jr. not hustling out of the box as a lot of people have covered this both locally and nationally. And I certainly don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole. But really just some unfortunate subplots that I'm sure Freddie Freeman and the Braves would rather not have gone through. But what did you make of Freddie his comments at the end of the year, it sounded like he was pretty dejected because asked to sum up this season for him, at least in that moment after losing game five in the fashion they did, he pretty much just said it was a failure and it started and ended with him. What did you make of all that? Well, and you can understand where he's coming from. I mean, since day one of spring training, he has said, I really feel that this is, you know, the best team I've been on. This team has a chance to win it all. And to see it in the same way it always has, 
that is dejected, especially with his performance. I mean, he was he was bad. I mean, call it what it is. He was yeah. he was terrible in the series. And you can blame it on injury. He won't. But whatever it was, he was bad in the series. And he wasn't alone by any means. Really, in game four, this team was, I mean, one hit away with a runner in scoring position no for winning this series. That's no really doubt. all it took. So I know everyone's going to point to game five and just what an abomination that was. But, I mean, I'm looking more at game four, and I'm saying, well, you know what? This is kind of what happens. And the Dodgers saw this, too. I mean, this is kind of what happens when you let the inferior team hang around. Yeah. And then, you know, you shouldn't have had to play that game five. But, I mean, that's why Freddie, you know, the Molina play with the ball off his glove. I mean, obviously him booting the ball in game five, the strikeouts. The, I mean, it just – I imagine it was really emotional for him. Mm-hmm. I imagine he's going to take – you know, he's going to take a mental break. I, I mean, just all around. I mean, the, for the veterans, really the veterans outside of Donaldson, you know, he has the double in game three. But the veterans just didn't really show up. And that's t- that's tough when you're you know you're leaning on these guys all year, and it turns out your Acuna's you know Ozzy had a decent series, uh, Dansby great series. Mm-hmm. I mean Soroka you know pitched the game of his life in Game Three. Uh, Max Freed you know I know it's, he fell apart at the end there, but he was he was really good for those first two. And, and you're just saying okay, well they were relying on their young guys, but these veterans that they've leaned on all year when they talk about this great combination of youth and you know and guys who have been there who have done that. You know, it's got to be really disappointing just for the organization as a whole to see kind of those guys just wilt like that. And so where Freddie's coming from, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he should consider it a failure. Um, He's just being a leader, stepping up, shouldering the blame for it as he always does. But, you know, for them to to end up, you know, losing that series, just the the whole context of it. I mean, it was hard fought. And like they've said, the Cardinals deserve a ton of credit for pulling that out. I mean, they're a really, really gritty team. But uh, from the Braves' perspective, I mean, so many chances to, to put this thing away, and they just couldn't do it. And so much of it fell on the guys who were supposed to be the ones who weren't nervous or, you know, battle-tested who have been there. So that that's kind of your biggest takeaway is you can you, you do this for six months and mm-hmm. you think that you've, you know, you've got this team, you know, you've got, you've got this right mix, you've got all this, and then you get to the moment and the guys who have been performing for you all year just don't show up. And so, I mean, people want to criticize Snit, but and they always get on to us in the media for being pro Snit. But I'm just saying, there's nothing you can do if your best players are not are yeah. just not going to show. Um, I mean, that, that's that's not on him. So that's why. And Alex said that in the presser that we attended yesterday. I mean, he made it clear. You know, Snit put them in positions to win. They were in multiple positions to win. Even the debatable Soroka. Um, Soroka starting one game I mean that would have worked if they finished game four yeah. so it really it, it all fell on the players so I can absolutely understand you know when Freddie looks at this and just I mean this was a true missed opportunity it's not like last year when we knew this team was not going to beat the Dodgers it would have taken a lot going right for that to happen yeah and when they lost no one's happy losing but there was a sense of satisfaction and a feeling that you were really building towards something. Whereas this year, the vibe is much more negative. It's much more, you know, what happened here. So that goes along with the expectation of this team did truly believe they were going to win that series. I think the NLDS was filled with a lot of what-if scenarios for the Braves as we reflect on it here, and I'm sure as they reflect back on it over the course of their winter. If I had to pick one thing in that series that really changed the course of a game, if not the entire series itself, 
it was that injury to Chris Martin in game one. And I don't know that there's another thing that I can point to in other than, you know, guys not performing to the level that we became accustomed to throughout the course of a long season for whatever the reason, especially in the middle of the order. But that to me is kind of my X factor because you're right. I mean, game five stung. It was a terrible game. It was historically speaking, it's about as bad as you can lose a game in the postseason or really in any scenario in the game of baseball, a 10 run first innings, just not something you want to see and not something that people are really able to come back from. And I know that that game five is going to really, you know, be something that fans are going to look back on with the most probably negative feelings. But I look at game one and I look at game four and I think if either one of those breaks right for the Braves and things go correctly for them, we're not even having this conversation right now because the Braves will be getting ready to play the National League Championship Series. Yeah, that's one of many things that went against them. However, that is one thing that was out of their control. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the missed opportunities with runners and scoring position, the errors, I mean, that's all on control. But Absolutely. It did seem like the Chris Martin injury, you have Luke Jackson come in. It, it just, it really just set the whole thing off. Now, I will say that in the next inning, at that point, Melanson's warmed up. I understand that there's a mental side of things, but you are paying a veteran closer a lot of money for him to just melt down like that. That's certainly an aspect of it. But it kind of goes on what we've been saying is you need these guys to show up. And that was one moment that it it very well, like, obviously we'll never know, but that very well might have just cost them a series. You know, seeing Martin get hurt and just seeing how that unfolded and losing game one like that. I mean, you look at game one, they easily could have won it. They did win game two. That was the one game of of those first four that really was just kind of theirs or one team's, I should say. Yeah. They end up winning game three, but they very well could have lost that, and they should have won game four. So the whole thing was just all over the place. Um, it was every bit as close as the projection systems had it until mm-hmm. game five. And so when you do look back, and you look back at something like this Chris Martin injury, like the the ball off of Freddie's glove, these these you know small things, you just look back on, you just say, well, what if this one thing you know went their way? How does this change? So it and it very well might have ultimately you know cost them. A birth in the World Series. Who knows what will happen next next uh, next series? But they certainly would have been confident against more confident against Washington than LA. So, yeah. uh, just t- tough break for the Braves. Just not uh, not much went their way there in most of those games, and they're at home because of it. Yeah, quite a few things I think conspire. Some things in their control, some things out of their control, some things that you just look at it and say, "Hey, man, that's the game of baseball." And Uh, Those are the things that the Braves each and every year, each and every team has to deal with where some things go right for them and inexplicably some things go wrong for you as well. And you hope it all evens out by the time you're done playing at the end of the year. Uh, Before we dive into what's next for the Braves as we head into the winter and the hot stove season, which is right around the corner, we already found out what's next for Brian McCann after that game five loss. He announced his retirement after a 15-year big league career. I think this team is really going to miss Brian McCann quite a bit next year. How about you? Uh, what did you see this year from Brian McCann that he added to the mix that made this Braves team as successful as they were this year? Yeah, just really everything that everyone says about him is true. Um, I mean, I grew up a Braves fan watching Brian McCann, so you know the opportunity to just cover him for a year, it's really cool, and it really just shows you that like he's as genuine as it gets. Uh, everyone loves him. You saw when he announced retirement, guys from the Yankees and Astros were tweeting stuff about what a great teammate he was. He was instrumental with these young pitchers. 
um, does his homework on everything. I mean, he's just he lightens he lightens the mood. Not that this team ever really went through that, you know, really tough streak since they really started hitting their stride at the lineup change. Right. But he knew how to lighten the mood. Obviously, there's already chemistry there with Freddie. I mean, it was chem- even with Julio. I mean, he just he was just a great guy to have around, and I think. You know, I think more when we look past, you know, the on perform on field performance and all that. I mean, it's a huge loss for them, in my opinion. Uh, this is a guy who was really a true clubhouse leader, and we and we'll get into it. We'll get into it soon. But when you're also, you might be losing Marcakis, you might be losing Donaldson. I mean, there's some real leadership um, voids that could be on this team, and bringing in McCann made such a huge difference. A guy who you know, is so committed to the organization, to the community, who, you know, he everyone, nobody doubted how much he loved Atlanta and how much he loved the Braves, but seeing him come back, do that, come back with championship pedigree, having been there, able to kind of show show everyone, you know, this is this is what it takes. And then being able to work with Dallas Keuchel, too, yeah. a guy that he won with. I mean, there's just, it really worked out for him um, to be able to come back and just spend his last year here. I think he really you're going to see over the next decade with some of these young guys, how maybe they were influenced and what they learned from Brian McCann. So it was obviously a bargain signing for the Braves. It worked out great. It's just, I guess it's unfortunate for, for them that he's retiring because they do lose that leadership. They do lose his leadership and they've already got a void to address at catcher, possibly two boys at catcher. Yeah. A lot of questions are going to, have to be answered over the course of the winter. So let's jump into that as well. But before we do, let me just go ahead and say as Brian McCann's career began, you just kind of felt like he was going to be a special player because of the group that he came in with at that time, Jeff Rancourt, Brian McCann and others it really a kind of an improbable division series back in 2005. That's another one, a season that ended in uh, a very bitter defeat in the National League Division Series in a Game 5 in 18 innings to Houston. But Brian really launched his career that year. He was catching John Smoltz, and I think it's a, a big thing right there when the veteran pitcher like that basically decided, hey, I like working with this guy. Brian hit a home run off Roger Clemens in that playoff series, and it was just kind of off and running from there. 282 home runs in a 15-year big league career for Brian McCann. I think he'll be in the Braves Hall of Fame uh, before too long. So, He's going to have had an influence on a lot of teammates over the years, and I think a lot of guys, you're right, Gabe, on the 2019 team are going to be able to take some things with them beyond this season and into 2020 and beyond as they reflect on some of the lessons they learned this year and maybe some of the things they picked up from Brian McCann as well. As far as what we heard on Thursday in that press conference, Alex Anthopoulos addressed a lot of different things. I already played a couple of clips earlier in the show just so they, you know, folks can hear it from him. Uh, but as he begins a process of putting together the Braves for 2020, a quick look at the roster, as you alluded to, would let you know this is going to be a different-looking squad next season. You mentioned some of the veterans that could be going away, but it's going to be fascinating to watch how Alex and company are able to figure out ways to not just plug holes or find replacements, but also make an impact on this team so that they're able to continue what they did this year. Yeah, it's going to be a, a really interesting winter. And I know we say this every offseason. Like, that was some jokes on Twitter about, you know, this, of course this is a big offseason. We say this every, every fan base, you know, every reporter says this about their team. Like, But this one is huge for the Braves because last year they were growing organically. You saw a team that didn't have to make that many moves. I mean, they bring in Donaldson. 
they bring in McCann, but they don't really have to do that much because the core was largely set. Guys were under contract. Young guys were going to get better. They felt comfortable knowing, you know, we're going to keep improving here. And they can feel that way about their young players again this winter, but they can't feel that way about their entire roster. They have potentially two holes at catcher. Tyler Flowers has a $6 million option with a $2 million buyout. Now that McCann's retiring, I'm not really sure at all what could happen there. You could get Tyler Flowers cheaper than six million, though. I feel I feel pretty com- um, comfortable saying that. I think so. But there's no telling what they end up doing there. You have a huge hole at third base. I think it's clear that they, ideally, that Austin Riley will not be their starting third baseman to start next year. Yeah. I think they do want Donaldson back. The issue is if he does walk for you know just a larger deal, then what do you really do at third base? You can't just roll the dice with Austin Riley. You can't go into spring training saying that you have World Series aspirations and you're rolling the dice with guys at this point. I think they'd be much better off having Riley as more of a luxury at this point. And then you look at the outfield, which, you know, kind of like last year, you don't really know what's going to happen here. You don't know what's going to happen with Ender, if they keep him, if they trade him. Nick Marquecas has a team option. So there's just there's a lot going on around Ronald Acuna. You have the two uh, prospects down there that are going to be coming up probably at some point next year. Right. And then the pitching, you're just loaded with questions in pitching. You know, obviously there's Julio. Uh, they're probably going to let Kyle walk, but then you've got to replace that. You've got to replace those innings. You've got to replace that presence in the rotation. Then you have the bullpen. At least you have Melanson and Green starting out in the back end. But besides that, still a ton of questions. So, I mean, I, I tweeted this earlier. Like, for a 97-win team, these are a lot of questions, and you can't afford to have an offseason like last one where you kind of just sit back. You know, you let the market come to you. You yeah. can kind of play with it because you have to be a little more aggressive this time. And, I mean, they, yeah. they should have been before, but you can't really just sit back and just, you know, let your roster kind of take over like with these young guys. I mean, you saw it. They're good. But now you're not trying to necessarily build on a 90-win team. Now you're trying to maintain a 97-win mm-hmm. team. It's definitely more challenging than it was last winter. And, you know, there's going to be plenty of guys on the market. I would imagine a lot of value deals uh, are going to pop up, and that's what Alex is always looking for. But I I don't need to tell you that really the biggest question here is Donaldson. Yeah, Donaldson is going to be the big question. He did have a great year. So let's play armchair GM because why not? That's what we do here. Construct the perfect deal to bring back Josh Donaldson in your estimation. Link the contract, money, options. What do you think it's going to take to have Josh Donaldson in a Braves uniform for 2020 and, of course, the seasons that follow? My perfect deal and what he's going to end up getting are uh, probably pretty far off. But at the same time, I, I would say in an ideal world, they could bring him back for two years. That's not, I stress that's not going to happen. There's the, I just I can't fathom that being a scenario that unfolds here. Uh, I think that they'll probably bring him back for three if they re-sign him. If he leaves, it would be a three-year deal of significantly larger money or yeah. maybe even a four-year deal because you never know with some of these teams. I mean, did anyone think McCutcheon was going to get what he got from Philly last offseason? No, so, that, was, a defi- that was the definition of stupid money. The Phillies said they had it, and they spent it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And again, it only takes one. So if Texas comes in and says, we want Josh Donaldson here, we're opening up, we're opening up a new ballpark. Uh, you know, we didn't get Anthony Rendon. This is a guy we want here. Just overpay him. Then that's what happens. And I don't think the Braves are going to match because nothing about Anthopolis' time here will tell you that 
they are willing to win a heavy bidding war or anything of that sort over a multi-year deal for a player. So ultimately a three-year deal, uh, you can kind of debate, you can, uh, you know, if it was, you know, three years, 75 million. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, that, that's something that I could see kind of happening, even if, you know, even if the third year was, you know, it had a buyout to it or it was vesting or there's different ways that it could go. Um, but I could definitely see like kind of a baseline being like 375. Yeah, and I'll throw out the, um, the deal that I kind of looked at in terms of if I were putting it together. I think two and fifty, and then maybe absolutely. have that third year be a vesting option based on plate appearances in the second season, and then have there be a buyout there that would be a significant payment that would help make that first couple of years even a little bigger. So maybe it's a six million dollar buyout on the third year, and say the third year is twenty three or twenty five million or whatever it is that gets it into that ballpark. I think we're pretty much in lockstep here on how many years he'll probably want, how many years the Braves would be comfortable guaranteeing. That's kind of different because yeah. we are talking about a guy that is 34 and not a guy that's, say, 29 or 30, like an Anthony Rendon who's in a different place as he looks for a multi-year deal that could be five, six, seven, maybe more years. I don't think Josh Donaldson is in that boat, and he was pretty adamant about betting on himself to go out and get a multi-year deal. So, I can't imagine that that has changed anything about what Josh Donaldson's looking to accomplish in free agency. And you bring up a really great point. There are going to be a bunch of clubs that want Anthony Rendon and only one's going to get him. And Josh Donaldson might be a pretty nice consolation prize for one of the others. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, it's not, you know, you think that he and the Braves would come to an agreement. I mean, you would lean that way just because it works so well for both sides. Donaldson obviously has ties here. He seems really happy here. You know, his relationship with Alex, but at the same time, uh, and Alex stressed this during the, during his presser, you don't know in free agency. Yeah. It, only, it only takes one to come in desperate. I mean, who's to say Philly doesn't swoop in and just look, look what do we have to do? We'll overpay. Because some teams just don't care. They'll do it. The Braves are not one of those teams. They won't do it. So I agree with what you're saying. There's a scenario that they do get two years with you know some kind of third year option or whatever i think that's the only way that they would get him for a two-year deal but i think that would be in the braves world ideal and even if you do have to overpay if you're doing it for two or three years that's okay i think this franchise is at a point especially with how they locked down ozzy and acuna i think that they're at a point right now that they could afford to just you know, slightly overpay if they needed to, mm-hmm. if it was on a shorter-term basis. I'm not saying they would. I'm yeah. just saying that they could. So the biggest thing with me with Donaldson, too, is when you look at the alternatives, it's not great. Yeah. So if you lose him, that's huge. Unless you're signing Rendon, which you won't be, you're going to experience a massive drop-off in the middle of your order. And for an offense that – I mean, Alex made it clear that last winter their priority was upgrading the middle of the lineup. Mm-hmm. They did it with Donaldson, but if they lose him, then all of a sudden you're back to square one. You're back exactly, you know, where you were, regardless of how good Acuna and Freeman and Ozzy are, you still need that middle of the order bat. And when you look at free agency, I mean, you're going, okay, well, there's not really a clear replacement here for Donaldson. So right. you're starting to look in the trade market and we've already seen how reluctant they are to give up some of these, some of these prized young guys. So then you're kind of putting yourself in a hole. So I think the Donaldson thing really has a trickling effect for the entire off season. If you bring him back, you're feeling pretty good 
you know, in general, regardless of how your outfield shakes out, even if it's just the status quo, I think that you'll end up feeling okay. But if you lose him, then all of a sudden you've got to make huge upgrades elsewhere, and a lot of that might have to be through trade, which this team has not so far been inclined to do. Well, that kind of brings me to the next thing I want to ask because you touched on it. The free agent market is going to have some big names like an Anthony Rendon. Of course, Garrett Cole is going to be out there. Maybe Steven Strasburg is going to opt out of his deal with the Nationals. That's certainly been heavily rumored or speculated. I don't get the feeling, much like you, that Atlanta is going to be in the running for guys who are going to command a $150 million or $200 million-plus contract, as nice as that would be. It doesn't sound like, and I think from the comments we heard from Anthopolis, you don't want to try to build your entire team through free agency. It just doesn't work that way, and it's not been the M.O. of the Braves either. They haven't been the team that's come in and just said, hey, we'll just blatantly overpay because we need this. Uh, But this does feel like to me, and maybe I'm in a little bit of a different place than you were, this does feel like to me that Alex Anthopoulos could make that big trade, that signature move, that he hasn't made quite yet in terms of trades, at least not to me. I feel like that that may be the thing that helps this club out in order to continue what was accomplished in 2019 and keep that going into the future because there are still plenty of minor league chips to cash in. It just feels like to me, Gabe, that the time could be now this winter to strike on that trade. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a gut instinct, but it just feels like the time's right. I think it has to be this winter, doesn't it? Feels like um, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure you can go into spring training. And this isn't to say just make a trade to make a trade. Right, but right. there will be high-level guys available. There are every winter. And there will be somebody who would help this team immensely. So I, I don't know that you can go into spring training and just bring back this kind of same squad with a few tweaks you know, regardless of Donaldson, but especially if you were to lose him. Um, I, we said this last year, but the NL East is getting better. I think just the Mets and Phillies making manager changes will make them better. That's true. Uh, so, and then Washington is, you know, I mean, heck, they might, they might be in the World Series. So, I mean, this division's going to get better. The Braves cannot sit. They, they just can't sit on their hands. This and not to say they did, because I defended them a lot last winter. Because there was there was real they were looking at value and there were a lot of guys who got deals you know uh, Brantley chose Houston mm-hmm. but you know the McCutcheon I mean there was guys who got paid prices that they just weren't going to pay it just wasn't good value there were trades that happened that they just didn't see good value and it's not like they missed out on that many guys I mean even Real Muto was the guy who dominated uh, dominated the landscape last last offseason, but they did they did pretty well keeping their prospects and having mechanic catcher. I mean that that wasn't what hurt this team. So we're we're looking at this winner now. They do need to do something, and maybe that's maybe that's a proven starter. Maybe they finally go out and make that big trade that even the last regime was looking at making for years. Sure, you know it feels like every winter we're talking about making a trade for a starter, and now I, I feel like they need you know you're losing Keitel. We don't know what's going on with Julio. Yeah. Um, you still, I mean, you're looking at these kids too, and, and Tukey's value is not as high as it was a year ago. Bryce Wilson's is not as high as it was a year ago. Even Kyle Wright's would not be as high as it was a year ago. And that's not to say these guys don't turn out to be great players, but they had more value last winter if you were looking at trading any of these guys than they do right now. I think, I think after the years that they just had, especially in Tukey's instance. Um, so already you're kind of seeing the price of holding on to these guys maybe a little bit too long um, when they just don't really have natural roles right now where you could move them. So, you know, I hate being the guy to just say they should make a big deal when mm-hmm. I don't know who's on the market. I don't know what this team – well, we have an idea of what this team is going to need 
But at the same time, we look at how Donaldson unfolds, and I think that changes the scope of how I view their needs. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at all this. I, I'm just – I do think – I agree with you. I think this is the winner. They really have to do something. And, uh, and, you know, they took so much criticism last winter. I know we like to pretend that doesn't matter. But at some point, you know, when you are taking this criticism, when you are sitting on your hands or when you're losing in the first round twice – you know, at some point, it kind of becomes there. There should be some pressure to go out and get something done and try to take another step. They were supposed to take that step this year. In the regular season, they certainly did. But when you lose, when you end up losing, you know that game in five games like they did, I, I think that you look at this winter and you go, okay, well, we need to make this thing better. I don't know exactly how you do that. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think that this, the timing is right for them to finally kind of dip into that prospect stash and maybe make more than one trade. Maybe go out and just say, look, I mean, we're, you know, Washington or St. Louis is going to represent the NL in the World Series. And for six months, the Braves were significantly better than both of those teams. Yeah, I don't think there's um, any way around that. Hey, oh, oh, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, they were they were another level above the Cardinals and nationals really you could really above everyone except LA who has proven that they're pretty vulnerable themselves. So when you're looking at the national league, you've got to be saying, you know, regardless of how bad this loss was, we could easily win the NL next year with the right moves. Yeah. And I don't want to deflect from that whole line of thought. That's like, all right, well, you can win the winter, but it doesn't guarantee anything during the season. But I will say this, while it's okay to be cautious and it's okay to let the market develop and it's always looking for the right deals and values and all the other things, I mean, that's all a real part of how teams, most teams, uh, spend their winter deciding what moves they want to make and perhaps what moves they can't or don't want to make. But the Braves, I don't think they can afford to sit around for another winter and really not do a lot of tinkering with this roster because the quantity, not just the quality, but the quantity of players that could be on their way out of Atlanta this year you're not going to be able to wait until you know the middle of the season to make a trade or sign a free agent that didn't find a home. They're going to have to address some issues, and quite a few issues, in order just to fill a 25-man roster. So we'll see how that all shakes out. And Gabe, I know that we don't have many Braves discussions in the offseason that don't include a lot of prospect talk. You hit on some of them, but I don't want to gloss over a couple of names that could be competing for jobs come this spring. Christian Pache and Drew Waters both made it to AAA, as did Ian Anderson, where do you think that trio fits in for the plans for next season and, of course, down the road? I think that if the Braves are smart, and from everything we've seen, they are. I mean, obviously, they're not going to bank on these guys. I think you're looking at the three of them kind of in the same mold that we saw Austin Riley this year. And when I say that, I mean they weren't reliant on these guys. But Riley played a role helping this team. I mean, he was rookie of the month in May, regardless of how bad his season ended and the injury and whatnot. I mean, he played a pretty big role in helping this team. And, you know, we talk about this month means more than this month. I mean, those wins mattered. So I think that when you look at this, you know, Ian Anderson, obviously there's going, you know, you're not going to throw him out there and just let him throw 200 innings. So there's different ways that can work him in. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him pretty soon. Actually, I, I, he's not gonna. I wouldn't think he'd break camp. I mean, break a opening day roster, but you never know. Uh, that kid's pretty. He's pretty damn good. Uh, no doubt. So you know, yeah, we'll we'll see how they end up working him in. Be it maybe they can use him out of the bullpen some. You know, they're gonna want him starting consistently in AAA too. 
you know, again, it depends on how their rotation shakes out because that's one of the questions we kind of touched on earlier. And the outfielders are really interesting. I mean, obviously you're not going to roll with an outfield of those, you know, those two with Acuna just yet. Um, that, that is that is quite young, and you need to have some patience with these guys, but especially in Pache's case, I mean, this is a guy that they're saying, you know, we're talking about gold glove caliber defense from day one. And, I mean, that's valuable in itself. So, you know, maybe that that's why they decide to, you know, they do what they can with Donaldson and, you know, can you bring back Nick and, and Ender and kind of do this thing again? I'm not sure that's what I would do. But at the same time, when you have those two guys and those two guys are so highly regarded, you know, how much do you really want to commit in the outfield? So that's one of the more interesting conundrums they have. It's a good problem to have. Don't get me wrong. Sure. So, how, however, they, however that plays out, it's going to be really interesting to follow how they handle how they handle things in the off season. I mean, they made it clear that they don't they're not trading either of those guys. I mean, yeah. those guys are part of their future. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, obviously, either one of them would be one of the absolute best trade chips out there. But it would take something spectacular for them to move off either. Uh, so. How how those three fit in? I mean, it's yet to be seen. I think that that I think that probably not Anderson, but the two outfielders will will certainly loom over how they handle their off season. Um, just you know, from a standpoint of you know, we don't want to trade this many prospects for an outfielder. Yeah. Uh, because hey, you know, we've got these two guys coming up. So again, you have World Series aspirations. You can't just throw in two rookie outfielders like that. I don't think either one breaks i don't think either one will be on the opening day roster um if i had to pick one it would be pache but, i agree uh, again, i wouldn't i wouldn't think that either one would at this juncture but you never know i mean if he comes in has a great has a great spring somebody gets hurt i mean you never know but i think the braves are in a very very ideal position as far as as far as those three go in that they're they're you know they are winning they have these stop gaps. They don't have to rely on these guys, but they can work them in, and, and these guys can come up and they can experience winning in, immediately instead of having to in, endure just a bunch of 90, 100 lost seasons before they really get to taste what it's like. Yeah, things have changed quite a bit for the Braves just in the past couple of years because they went from being that 90 loss team to a club that's now become back to back 90 plus wins and back to back NLEs crowns. So, uh, you know, you want to build from within. The Braves have done a great job of that with a number of different players, but it's not all going to come through the minor leagues. Some of it's going to come through trade. Some of it's going to come through free agency. And some of it's going to come from some players in some places that maybe we didn't expect to be the impact that they are. But all of it put together is what usually becomes a winning ball club, and the Braves have done a nice job the last couple of years of finding the pieces they need to have some success. But they'd like to have a little bit more, most certainly in October. Well, Gabe, I appreciate all the time. I wish we were sitting here talking about the National League Championship Series and what the Braves were going to be doing there instead of starting our hot stove talk a little bit early. But I definitely appreciate you making the time and always look forward to uh, having you on. And you got an open invitation. There'll be plenty of baseball to talk about when the hot stove gets going here in a couple weeks. Yeah, sure thing, Grant. I appreciate you having me on. He is Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at AJC. And I'll look to have Gabe on the show throughout the winter as we size up the Braves' hot stove and hopefully what will be a lot of fun to follow as the Braves make some moves that get them that much better as we head into 2020. As for what's coming up, it's the National League Championship Series and the American League Championship Series. Your NLCS matchup will see the Cardinals and the Nationals. And in the ALCS, it is the Yankees and the Astros. We'll battle it out with the winners of both of those series heading to the Fall Classic and vying to become the champion of 2019. 
With the Braves season now in the books, I'm going to take a little bit of time, a little hiatus, if you will, and we'll pick back up here on From the Diamond once the World Series is all done, and then we'll get our hot stove started as we count down until opening day 2020, which for the Braves will be March 26th against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Before I get out of here, I just want to thank all of you for taking the time to follow along here on From the Diamond for all the subscriptions to the podcast, all the likes and shares, and all of the interactions I've gotten throughout the season. It's been an awful lot of fun to talk baseball with all of you, and I look forward to doing a lot more of that this winter as we count down the days until next baseball season comes back around. As always, I invite you to subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and those reviews. Appreciate all those shares along social media as well. You can find the show on Twitter at From the Diamond underscore. I am at Grant McCauley on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find me at Grant McCauley, and the show is at From the Diamond with no underscore there. And every episode of the show, as well as all the other articles and fun stuff that will be coming at you this winter, you can find that at FromTheDiamond.com. Once again, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. We'll be picking back up when the World Series has come and gone. Until then, I'm Grant McCauley, and I'll catch you next time. So long, everyone. <laughs>